And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck them up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavner. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Welcome to Wilder People's Day. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Hey, Justin. Hi. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been been a couple weeks. Uh, I'm done traveling for a hot minute until I get a random thought in my head that says I need to travel again. But uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back in, in Seattle. The sun's finally coming out, but my allergies are kicking my ass. I'm sorry. You can take a pill. You know, I don't really like taking allergy medication. I really try to hold off when I can and use like herbal teas and all that kind of stuff. Oh, but those. <laughs> yeah, no, I get my vaccinations. Don't you worry. But um, I think I will probably take take a pill. Just because it's gotten so bad. So we'll I have happens. some Cracker Jack pills out there. Some of them are suppositories. You just insert <laughs> the bottom there. Speaking of suppositories, I was watching Beverly Hills Cop 3 finally. And when <laughs> the DDOJ is IOC. <laughs> He's like, he's like the Joe to Joe to see. Yeah, the Joe I control the green lines. Um, when oh, blue lines, I don't know what color they are. They're green. You're right. Oh, okay, cool. Better uh, day, like when Serge is like, he goes, oh, have you had a col- uh, not a colonoscopy? He says like a colonoscope, and the, he's <laughs> he's talking about it, and you can see Judge Reinhold in the back. He lowers his head because he's trying not to laugh, and he actually starts cracking up, and they have to cut away. It's a really weird jump cut, but uh, it's it's so fucking funny. And you can tell Eddie Murphy's trying not to laugh too, but yeah, Serge. Serge. It's not Serge, it's Serge. The Annihilator 3000 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that movie is interesting. It's uh, I wasn't laughing as much, but the one part I laughed the hardest at, and it was a really stupid part, but it was towards the end when Axel kills the African-American um, uh, bodyguard, not bodyguard, security guard at the park in the earthquake exhibit. Um, or like it's like the alien attack exhibit, you know, mm-hmm. and he's laying on the tracks and he runs and he picks him up and he's like, he went over there on the stairs. And those three <laughs> guys, those three guys run over there and the water gets him. I, I don't know why I was laughing so hard, but that was just a, a really funny part for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, that movie, George Lucas has a cameo in that movie. Yeah. He's the guy that uh, Axel cuts in front uh, in front <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. But uh, Serge, uh, Bronson Pinchet or Pinchot, I forget his name. He yeah. is from Perfect Strangers. He was Balky Bartokamus, and he is so fucking funny. Yeah, he was very funny in this movie, too. <laughs> He's in True Romance. You should watch that. You haven't yet. I know. It's on my list. I will I will watch it for you, my friend. He plays Elliot Blitzer, and he's fantastic in that. Anyway. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I love, there's a part in Barely Hills Cop 3 where he's like, there's these two kids, and the one's like, hey, Oki, do the okie dokie shuffle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, 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 okay. He's dressed up as an elephant. Yeah. He's like, that's not right. He goes like this. <laughs> and then he does like the same dance. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> oh my God. Now there's that one little tiny kid that's just cracking up and pointing and laughing. I love it so much. I use that. I send that gif all the time to um, our friends, Brett and Felix. Mm-hmm. With the little kid laughing and pointing at the same time. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Beverly Hills Cup. It's been a while. Yeah. 
Is that all you watched? Oh, shit. Sorry. Yeah, I, I guess I should have continued. No. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I loved Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2. 3, not so much. It really wasn't that good. Um, there were okay parts, but it, you, you could tell that Eddie Murphy was kind of just phoning it in. Yeah, it was like a back to the well kind of moment. Pretty much. So, and then I watched uh, 50 First Dates on a whim. Um, that movie did not age well either, and I couldn't laugh very much at it. But uh, because I liked it when I was younger, it just kind of stuck with me. So watch that. Uh, I watched Tiger. It's the Tiger Woods two part documentary on HBO. I watched the first part of it, and that's really good. Then Godzilla versus Kong. Um, I think I, I don't think we talked about that yet, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was horrible, but it also was amazing at the same time because I just wanted to see some battles and there was some battling going on. And then I watched I Know What You Did Last Summer. That was on HBO. And that movie, again, is <laughs> is very subpar compared to Scream. It is not good. But. Right, but it was trying to capitalize on the whole, uh, like it has like scream elements to it, you know, like trying right. to reinvent the horror genre and everything. Just kind of right. go along with it, but I agree, false flat. Lock me up, I'm a slasher. Yeah, I mean it's just a fisherman with a hook. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and really, there's only four cast members at yeah. the end of the day. You know, it's kind of it's a really small, intimate cast, and <clears throat> they uh, they're just a bunch of punk kids. Like it's weird. Like I had like no sympathy for any of them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is weird to say yeah but uh i wasn't really into any of them as characters it's like a bunch of rich kids that do something wrong and then get away with it right <laughs> so i'm like should i care about these people because i don't <laughs> and, and and when yeah. i saw it i was their age you know what i mean so like it would be as if i were the person committing these crimes you know they're playing seniors in high school or whatever and uh it wasn't it didn't mesh with me yeah, and you can you can tell they're trying to make you know Jennifer Love Hewitt a lot like Sydney. She's she's kind of kind of homely, you know, not dressing like a sexy teenager and everything. She's just the wholesome girl and whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it, it didn't really hit that hard for me. Yeah, I mean, I remember I liked the sequel actually because Jack Black's in it, and I thought it was funny. I still know what you did last <laughs> summer. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> I wrote it down in my notebook. See. Uh. Fool me once, I want me. Fool me twice. <laughs> you can't fool me twice. <laughs> uh, and then I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, and I'm really enjoying the shit out of that show, uh, more so than WandaVision, honestly. And I think that, what, four episodes in? Yeah, we're four episodes in, and after the end of the fourth episode, I was like, holy shit. So, very, very cool. Uh was kind of expecting it, but I, I love how they did it. And then... I started watching Mighty Ducks Game Changers, that show on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and I thought it was going to be really stupid, but I love the Mighty Ducks, so I wanted to watch it. And actually, I'm pretty, I'm pretty invested into it. It's got cheesy moments, but uh, I like it. It's not too bad. So I don't know. I've, that's what I'm watching. What about you? Have you seen any of those things? Uh, yeah, uh, I've seen everything that you mentioned. Um, as far as recently goes, Godzilla vs Kong. Watch that. Talked about it in nauseum, so I can't really discuss it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier, same thing. Love it. I think it's great. And Zemo has become my favorite character in the MCU post Endgame, I would yeah. say. Yeah. And uh, same with Sharon Carter. She's a total badass. I, I loved how she had this sort of John Wick moment where she's beating the shit out of like 12 guys in like 30 seconds. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And then um, watching a lot of The Office. That's back. I'm streaming that again. And I uh, just playing the shit of the Monster Hunter Rise, man. I can't put it down. I'm like 40 hours into it and love it. I can't can't stop playing. I had to take a break 
so I could record this podcast. <laughs> well, I'm very sorry. We'll try to make this quick so you can get back to slaying them monsters. Yeah. <laughs> and eating the, the meals that the cats make for you. I gotta, gotta save the village, you know. Oh, They're counting on me. I have yeah. responsibilities, Zach. <laughs> I know, and you need to take care of those responsibilities. I do. Be I'm an man. adult. I have a checking account and everything. <laughs> you dr- you drive a Dodge Stratus. <laughs> yeah, people are afraid of me. Speaking <laughs> of Sarah Michelle Gellar, who's in both uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer and that Saturday Night Live skit. Yeah. So yeah. Are you ready to talk about this week's movie? Um, Yeah, I believe so, man. Let's do it. All right. So, speaking of going back to the well, <laughs> I'm going to revisit uh, Taika Waititi for a moment with uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. This is from 2016, directed by Taika Waititi, who you might know from Thor, Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, and What We Do in the Shadows. Ooh. Uh, he also wrote this story, and I guess Barry Crump wrote the book. Yeah. And uh, let's see, the film stars Sam Neill, Julian Dennison, Rima T. Wyatta, Rachel House, uh, Tio Rior, Ngadi Melbourne, and Reese Darby, who we <laughs> love. Very nice. It's hard to say the Maori names, so that was that was yeah. good. You did good. I think I did it right. Tio yeah. Riori? Yeah, 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 Tio Riori is, is right. I don't know how to say her last name. It's Nagati, Nagati, Nagati Melbourne. M- Mel- I think it's Nagati Melbourne, but I think you have it right. Oh, you, right. you did. You did the best. Sure. All right. Critical reception. This movie is uh, pretty high on the old Rotten Tomato meter. They had ninety-seven percent. That's pretty. Uh, pretty GD good. Not gonna lie. Let's see here. We'll start with the bad. This is Richard Brody from the New Yorker. You know. Not for nothing, but uh, gentle and appealing performances can't rescue this, what is that, facile and clawing comedy. I don't know about all that. What a dick. Yeah. Tim Crearson from Screen International says, warmly funny and deeply delightful. How about that? David Bax from Battleship Pretension says, Watiti sneaks some bigger ideas in there behind the chase scenes and the shootouts and crazy characters. A lot of crazy characters in this movie. Oh, here we go. Mike Massey, our buddy from Gone with the Twins. It's mostly effective and funny, though not every moment works entirely. What? I don't know about all that. I enjoy it. And um, let's see. I think that's that's pretty good. I don't know. Oh, here we go. Dan Buffa <clears throat> from KSDK News in St. Louis. It's a unique adventure film that isn't a waste of your time or money. I agree. Definitely not a waste. Do it to it. And let's see here. Opening weekend, it did $78,000. That was on June 26th of 2016. It grossed the United States at a whopping $5.2 million, And then worldwide, you're looking at $22.8 $22. million. And we saw, I saw this movie on Netflix. I don't know about you, but that is where we were streaming it. It is available if you are a subscriber to the Netflix service. Yeah. So I originally watched it, I think, like a year or two ago on Canopy, which is just a free streaming service that you use your library account. And then uh, this time around, I watched it on Netflix. But I'm glad that it is available now on Netflix. Sure. Uh, Let me give you some hilarious trivia facts. Let me hit you with some knowledge. Hit you with some knowledge. The film was the first local feature to gross more than 1 million New Zealand dollars in its opening weekend at the New Zealand box office. 
So that's pretty cool. Uh, the Huya bird that is spotted by Ricky and Hector in the movie Ricky is a, Becca. <laughs> Ricky Becca, uh, is, is a real species of New Zealand wattle bird. The last confirmed sighting of the bird was in 1907, but there were some credible sightings in the early 1960s. It is believed to be extinct. So that's pretty cool. Obviously, that was a, a CG bird, I think, but that was still really cool. Uh, the uncle is portrayed as illiterate. The actor who plays him, Sam Neill, however, has a BA in English literature. <laughs> so how about that? And that's that's all the real trivia I found. There wasn't a ton on this. But uh, did you know that this movie is very funny? <laughs> I believe it. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed my ass off. I was laughing and laughing and laughing, laughing and laughing. <laughs> uh, OK, well, so for anybody who hasn't, here's a quick synopsis. Ricky Baker. <laughs> OK. Ricky Baker, a juvenile delinquent, <laughs> a juvenile delinquent who was abandoned by his mother, is taken by child wel- wel- uh, welfare services officer Paula and police officer Andy to live in a remote farm with foster aunt Bella Faulkner and her husband, the cankerous Southern man Heck. Heck is rem- Heck is remote, but Bella quickly manages to break through Ricky's defensive shell by taking him hunting and giving him a dog for his 13th birthday, which he names Tupac after his idol, Tupac Shakur. When Bella suddenly dies and Heck tells Ricky that child services will take him back, Ricky ineptly fakes his suicide by burning a barn and runs away into the bush with Tupac, where he is completely unable to cope and gets lost. Heck finds him easily, but breaks his ankle in a fall, forcing the two to camp for a period of time. The authorities, meanwhile, have found the house empty and the barn burnt down and come to the conclusion that the bereaved and mentally unstable Heck has abducted Ricky. The impression is strengthened after an encounter with three foolish hunters, Joe, Ron, and Hugh, who get the idea that Heck is molesting Ricky. Heck reveals to Ricky that he has served prison time for manslaughter and is illiterate. Ricky, in turn, says his only friend in foster care has died and that his only options are risking the same fate in the foster system or serve time in juvenile prison. The pair agree to disappear into the bush. A national manhunt ensues, and the two slowly bond while working together to escape arrest. Upon finding another hut, uh, they encounter an unconscious diabetic ranger. Ricky leaves and finds help and runs into a girl his age named Kahu. She takes him back to her house and introduces him to her dad. Ricky stays the night and returns the next morning to the hut. Ricky, <laughs> where heck was supposed to be ricky finds the place to be swarming with police led by paula ricky runs away he later encounters paula and andy in the bush separated by a ditch and she says she's a terminator (laughs) (laughs) paula attempts paula attempts to bribe ricky asking him to say that heck was a sex offender in return she tells him that he will not ever go to juvenile prison ricky declines and runs away Ricky catches up to Heck by remembering the survival strategies Heck taught him, and they continue their travels. They encounter a wild boar that mortally wounds Heck's dog, Zag, forcing Heck to euthanize him. Ricky reveals he has been carrying Bella's ashes and originally planned to deliver them to where the earth wets the cloak of the sky, as per her wishes. They bury Zag and scatter Bella's ashes into a remote waterfall high in a mountain range. Ricky and Heck find a man living out on his own called Psycho Sam. Sam lets them stay the night. After five months of surviving in the wilderness and several close calls, they are finally caught following a car and helicopter chase, and Ricky accidentally shoots Heck. Heck gets remanded, and Ricky is taken by Kahu's, taken in by Kahu's family. After Heck's release from jail, Ricky, with his new foster family's permission, returns to the bush with Heck to photograph the Huya, uh, an extinct bird that they had, re- they had rediscovered during their time on the run. And that is Hunt for the Wilder People. Very Great. good movie. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin, when was the first time that you saw this movie? It was last night. Mm. Never even heard of it. I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what it was about. I went, I didn't even read the description. I just hit play. Nice. It was a complete surprise for me. Okay. Was it a pleasant <laughs> surprise? Yeah. Loved every second of it. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you did because I was slightly apprehensive, but I know I know you like Taika. And so I, I was like, I think he'll like this. And Julian Dennison is freaking hilarious. He was in Kong versus Godzilla, actually. Yeah, he was also in he's a kid in Deadpool, too, right? Yep. Yeah, Which I couldn't I couldn't really get into his character in, in a fire fist, I think was his name in Deadpool, too. Yeah. Um, but I only because I wasn't really prepared to see him and I was in a weird mood and I just wasn't really into it. But in this particular movie, I thought he I thought he was great. Uh, he's it's a pretty big undertaking starring in your own film when you're this age, and he uh, he knocked it out of the park. <laughs> it's like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's funny. He's like, mouth. like how the hell would heck know what the heck he's talking about? I think that's so great. And, I know. Um, you know what's funny about this movie? The first thing I thought of was just that I felt like every character was talking like uh, Korg from Thor Ragnarok. Like, like I guess <laughs> that's just how New Zealanders talk because it was I was constantly just thinking of Korg the entire movie where he's like, yeah, you know, he's like the Wi-Fi, no password, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Help yourself to the Wi-Fi, no password, of course. <laughs> and not these flies. Oh, yeah. my God. They, yeah. they all just talk like Korg to me. That was great. Yeah, it was. I mean, each character was so awesome. I mean, Paula was hilarious too. I love. She's like, no child left behind. She yeah. said after everything. Oh my god, she was so great. There was a. Oh man, I forget the line. I was like, this is the boy who you know breaks stuff. Yeah. Damages stuff. Ruins stuff. Burns stuff. Destroys stuff. Like, oh my graffiti god. stuff. Graffiti loiters. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was really good. I think I think she crushed in Officer Andy too. He was just that lovable guy, but. Cool. Well, I'm glad you really liked it. Um, yeah. So I saw it about two years ago. My friend Jay was like, oh, you got to watch this. And I didn't even realize it was Taika Waititi uh, because I remember seeing, you know, uh, an advertisement a long time ago for it. But I was very happy I watched it. This is the second time I've seen it. And I absolutely adored this film. So um, and, you know, that, that reminds you, Justin, you know, this isn't our first Taika Waititi film uh, that we've talked about on the podcast. And in fact, we technically have done three Taika Waititi films. And clearly, you know, I love the man to pieces. I think his comedy, his director's eye, his style, his overall storytelling, they're all majestical. Uh, are you a fan of Taika Waititi? Do you enjoy watching the early films like this? Because he's he also has Eagle versus Shark and Boy, and he was on Flight of the Concords and such. Do you enjoy his early works? Uh, and do you enjoy directors before they get really popular? Does uh, does going back to to a director's uh, past library does it kind of change your mind on on who they are? Um, I think it varies. So I am a fan of Taika Waititi. I think he's super funny. Uh, same with uh, What We Do in the Shadows. I had no idea what the hell that was the first time I saw it, and I could not stop laughing. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's just right up my alley. I love I love just how obscure uh, his humor is, and just like, it's one of those things where you have to pay attention. It's very witty, and that alone kind of makes it challenging for some people, because if you're someone that's distracted, uh, you're not going to get the full enjoyment from his films. I think that he's a very clever sort, and it's you're doing yourself a disservice by not paying attention. And if, if you've watched it from start to finish and you paid attention and you still don't enjoy it, then that's fine. But uh, I think that there is a conversation to be had where you need to just sit there and shut the fuck up and watch and laugh at movies. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think Edgar Wright's the same way. You know, I think there's a lot going on, and we talk about nonverbals all the time, 
And I think Edgar Wright is perfect at that because a lot of his storytelling is done through shots and not dialogue. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that you're doing yourself a disservice by not paying attention to that sort of thing. Um, But as far as like, you know, enjoying like early films uh, from directors, I I think that that's always fun. Uh, Given my age, I've been around a while. And so it's hard for me. I have to like go back in time to really explore that because a lot of the actors that are, or a lot of the directors rather that are big today, I was around to see them from the get go. So that complicates things. But in his case, because uh, he was big in New Zealand, you know, there's a whole library that I didn't know even existed, which I think is great. And I love that with, with foreign uh, directors and films, we can call it. Right. But like someone like someone like Spielberg, you know, he's been making films for like five decades, right? So someone that's a teenager now can certainly go back to the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and not 10s. And you could really see the evolution of his filmmaking. He has not been making the same movies over and over and over again. They have definitely changed over the course of 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so that's always fun to, to see. But then, um, you know, so someone like Robert Rodriguez, right? I was really into Tarantino in the nineties, right? I saw Pulp Fiction. I was like, well, what else has this guy done? And at the time it was only Reservoir Dogs. So it was easy to catch up, but it was cool to go back and see something like that. Uh, But then, yeah, he was talking about Robert Rodriguez and I'm like, who's Robert Rodriguez. And then, uh, you know, pull around Pulp Fiction was uh, Desperado, you know, a year later, 95. And so uh, I'm like, Oh my God, this movie's awesome. Who's Robert Rodriguez. Then I see that El Mariachi was a movie. So then I got to watch El Mariachi. So, um, it's always fun to just kind of see where people got their starts. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, once you once you attach yourself to a director, then you can go on and, and see their entire, you know, catalog. Uh, I think Wes Anderson's another one. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Bottle Rocket and and Rushmore. I saw Rushmore. and I was like, holy shit, this is the funniest goddamn movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and then I had to go see Bottle Rocket. And then, of course, Royal Tannenbaum's, which I love, is my favorite of his. But then just moving forward, you know, you become a fan. And then you, you, we were talking about this the other week. Like, is there an actor that you that you like that you go see all their movies, right? So for me, it's Kurt Russell. And then, uh, but for directors, I mean, I think that list is much longer. And I'm kind of that way with football, too. You know, I don't necessarily care about particular teams, but I love following quarterbacks and just how, how well they're doing, how they play, the different play styles and stuff of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. But, uh, yeah. I think that pretty much covers everything. <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. And 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 it's funny you say Wes Anderson because that's exactly what I was thinking. Because when we did Rushmore for an episode, that was actually I'm sorry, we didn't do Rushmore. We did the Royal Tenenbaums. That was the first time I had seen the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, I think I saw it when I was younger. I can't remember if I said that or not, but it it literally escaped my mind. And so um, it was nice to to watch it again because I'm like, holy shit, this was really good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And I already had an appreciation for Wes Anderson films. But I mean, I think my first one I saw was maybe God bottle. Ro- not not. I'm sorry, not bottle rocket, not Moonrise Kingdom. It was something earlier than that. But I mean, I like his later stuff. And so I went back and I started watching the older catalog. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen bottle rocket, so I can't really speak to that. Um, and it's been a long time since I've seen Rushmore. So I, I think I need to revisit that. But. I think there is something to be said about appreciating an artist's earlier work and to see how they develop, like you were saying. Right. You know, like even this podcast, we started out and we were just two wild and crazy guys, and now we're still two wild and crazy guys. From but Czechoslovakia. Yeah, but we're way more majestical now. So. Sure. You but, know, it's funny with like, uh, 
uh, Christopher Nolan, you know, that's someone that I caught very early. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to film school at the time. Uh, I had to read the script for Memento. <laughs> and um, I was like, well, this movie's crazy. And he had only other done one, one other movie before that, which was uh, following. But then, of course, I go see Insomnia and then I go see fucking Batman Begins, Prestige, Dark Knight, Inception, whatever. I've seen Interstellar 16 goddamn times. And <laughs> But I mean, he's an he's a director where uh, I think he's for me, my enjoyment is going backwards. I like the earlier stuff. And as his career is progressing and he's blossoming and developing into a filmmaker, I am liking the movies less and less and less. Right. <laughs> Once. Uh, once Inception ended, that that was the peak for me, and then now it's just going downward. But uh, everyone, of course, is entitled to their own opinion. That's fantastic. And if you love Tenant or Dunkirk or fucking Interstellar, then that's great. <laughs> I just I can't can't do it. Yeah, and I I think I think really Scott is kind of like that too. Uh, sure. He hasn't really done a good movie per se since let's see uh, the martian was really good so yeah. i love the martian but that was the first awesome movie exactly in a long time. exactly <laughs> yeah that was 2015 and i mean the other one would be kingdom of heaven honestly i liked that one a lot and that was 2005 so you have a 10 year gap between that and then it's just like you know black hawk down 2001 oh that's a good one too yeah um and Ooh. then he, in, so going backwards, Black Hawk Down 2001, Hannibal 2001, Gladiator 2000, G.I. Jane 97, White Squall 96, uh, Thelma and Louise 91, uh, Someone to Watch Over Me 87, Legend 85, uh, Blade Runner 82, Alien uh, 79, and then, yeah. So clearly his early stuff is, you know, where it's at. And then he kind of spreads out a little and he's kind of, eh. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I kind of liked American Gangster, but I hated Body Lies. I hated Robin Hood. I hated fucking Prometheus. I yeah. hated Counselor. Exodus. I hate, I was just like, oh, my God, I hated Alien Covenant. Fuck, that movie sucks so bad. <laughs> I'm getting mad just thinking about it. I've been watching those Screen Rants pitch meetings. Oh, yeah. I think they're the funniest fucking thing ever. <laughs> I know. It's actually, it's like super easy. Barely an inconvenience. I fucking love it when he says that. <laughs> I know I watched one for I think uh, Justice League or whatever and they're like no 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 fuck that we're just gonna get rid of all of that stuff <laughs> they're like how did he even get here how, how did Superman even appear like science space science or something like that and I was just like okay <laughs> oh so my god funny. actually it's super easy barely an inconvenience <laughs> yeah no it's uh that one's really good youtube gold right there so I agree with you I think uh, there are certain directors that are like that and and, and I think directing is is it, it's hard for us to say, you know, because you have to consistently make good films. Because especially if you're a Tarantino, it's like, when's his next movie going to come out? Is it going to be better than the first? And you know, fans are so toxic, and we can shit on these things if it turns out poorly. But I would hope it doesn't change people's mind. I would hope that they appreciate the work for what it is. I mean, even if you don't like the movie, don't hate the director, yo. Right? Yeah. So I'm I am so biased when it comes to Tarantino. Like I am just sucking at the tarantino teat as it were and that's it would be really hard for me to not like one of his motion picture shows <laughs> turn this fucking piece of shit around right now <laughs> just fucking love everything he does oh my god it's terrible i am brainwashed i can't i can't not like it but um that's all that's all i have to say about oh, that yeah. So, yeah. so you cannot i lose credibility when it comes to 
discussing Tarantino because I just I love him so much. So yeah, I agree. I love him too, man. And so there we go. So Aunt, Aunt Bella, I want to talk about her. Aunt Bella, I want to talk about her. She's a really really great person. Uh, she's kind. She's sweet. She's funny. She's caring and just overall lovable. Did you ever grow up knowing someone like this? How about nowadays? Sure, I would say my grandmother is a. I mean, aside from murdering boars in the bush, is a pretty uh, <laughs> spit image of uh, Aunt Bella. I think that, she, that scene was amazing too. <laughs> he just faints. I was right there with him, kid. I was like, "Holy shit!" I would just lose my stomach if I she, saw that. She wipes her face, and there's more blood. On <laughs> no, that was hard to watch. That, that's my only real like. Yeah. I mean, because it was done in a funny way, I guess it was okay. But I, I am so anti-killing animals that it was really hard for me right. to see that at first. But I think when he faints, I, I was like, okay, I, I'm with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, she's she's great. And I, I would say that my grandmother, 100, percent you know, she is she was the sweetest woman ever. She she was so generous and just always assumed the best in somebody. And I, I try so hard to be like my grandmother and she was so generous with just her time and her love. And that's, that's who I want to be. So that's, she was a perfect role model for me. And I can, I can see, I immediately saw my grandmother in Aunt Bella. Oh, that's sweet. That's very nice. Yeah. She, it, you know, it was, she did everything she can to, to make him feel welcome. Even though Hector was kind of like, eh, you know, she, you could tell she really wanted a kid, um, but she wanted to give him a second chance. And, she was down to earth with him. You know, I love when she she's like, you didn't get very far. <laughs> he was like, yeah. I was I was tired. <laughs> yeah. So he got like 200 meters or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just it's it's unfortunate that there aren't uh, uh, as many people like her in the world. I mean, I strive to be I I know sometimes I can be crass. So I stop and I take a deep breath and I'm like, you know what? Let me just get my electric uh, keyboard out and start playing a birthday song for some. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. And then she's even like, you know, if, if you run away tonight, just be back by breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one. I mean, I don't know the first thing about relating to a child that has been put through the ringer as far as social services go. Um, but uh, having someone that will just be there to listen to you, not tell you what to do, but just listen to you, I think goes a long way. Right. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I've met people like that. I, I can't really necessarily think of anybody in particular that comes to mind, but I've definitely met people like that, that just seem like the nicest people. And they seem so, um, I wouldn't say careless. I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? They seem so, um, I'm at a loss for words. Anyways, they're, yeah, they just seem like very kind hearted people. And it's, it's, it's very, very selfless. There we go. It's very great to, to see that because it's infectious. But yeah, she was a good character too. Um, so yeah, and then even though Taika Waititi is a remarkable writer, uh, I'm gonna call this the odd couple idea for this film. It's not a new theme. Films like Lethal Weapon, Dutch, and The Untouchables are all excellent examples. Do you do you like this formula in movies? Why does it or why doesn't it work for you? And do you have any favorites of this subgenre? Yeah, I, I always like a, sort of the odd couple vibe. I would say Twins is probably one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, those are two very polar opposites. <laughs> um, but I, I think it works great because uh, movies with conflict are are what's going to help drive the story. You know, if you if you have 
a person A that's completely opposite of person B and they have to work together, then that's going to be a struggle bus. I mean, eventually they'll they'll get there. But I mean, even something like uh, Rush Hour works really well, too. Chris yeah. Tucker and um, Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that always works well. 48 Hours, Nick Nolte and Eddie yeah, Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stuff like that. I think that's always really, really fun. Um, and so it works for me. I, I get that it can be kind of played out at times, but if there is conflict with the heroes, then right away, I'm usually on board. I don't want someone that's like that, that doesn't have any self-confidence and I'm at the watch for two goddamn hours for them to, to find themselves. I would rather it be two strong personalities that are opposite of each other that have to find a way to coexist. I think that's why I like lethal Weapon so much. Because it's, you know, you have this vet who knows what he's doing. He's he's 10 days from retirement or whatever. Yeah, he's been <laughs> retiring since before <laughs> I, I know. Born. I know. And, uh, and then you have this wild card guy who's doing lines of cocaine as he's trying to buy cocaine. And he's holding guns up to people. And, yeah, it's, you know, a polar opposite. But, yeah, you're right. There, one's not a timid person that has to find his confidence or her confidence. And so I think that that's really great. And with this, in this film, you know, Hector is that older, grizzled vet. And Ricky is completely out of his element and he, he doesn't necessarily need confidence. He just needs to learn how to survive in the woods and, and he, needs, he needs to find family. And so I think that's that that's a really cool dynamic that they went with. Right. But I do like the odd couple idea. Uh, this movie did remind me of Up, the movie Up. Um, very, very similar, actually, to it. You know, an, an older curmudgeon and a younger boy uh, go to the forest together or the bush and they go on an adventure pretty right. much. And they're Stop looking for you, a bird. dog. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's actually a really good point because he, he loses his wife at the beginning of the movie. I think Up probably had me crying quicker than any other movie on the planet. Oh, yeah. I was like, have the credits even started yet? Why, why, why am I crying? All right. I don't get it. Yeah. That was hardcore, man. I know. Right at the beginning, too. And there's no... There's not really any sound like you get you get it when it's it's the kids you get dialogue, you know, when they're kids and then it just plays music and you're like, oh, my God, it's this montage. But yeah, I, I, it's it's funny because that's always the thing everyone says, you know, oh, if you don't cry it up, you don't have a soul. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course you don't, because <laughs> it's super sad. So there's been other Disney movies, too, besides that, that have just made me ball. Coco was like that at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> Coco's amazing. I still tear up thinking about it's this isn't a Disney movie, but I still still tear up thinking about It's a Wonderful Life. The very end scene when he's like to my brother, George, the richest man in the world. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, very awesome stuff right there. And. Yeah, I don't I don't really get tired of the odd couple. I think maybe the best examples I can think of are police films. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that 48 hours, another 48 hours, lethal weapon, that kind of stuff. Rush hour. But so this movie, it takes place in the New Zealand bush, which is the forest. Basically, it's incredibly vast and thick. Uh, One could easily get lost if they did not know what they were getting into. More importantly for the film, the bush served as the main plot driver. It truly made the viewer feel like they were with the characters during the struggle. We all know that I, Zach Rancourt, am a fan of the forest and would gladly enjoy being in that setting. But, Mr. Cavender, what are your thoughts on the woods? Did it make you feel anything while watching the movie? No, not really. I'm not really a woods guy. I mean, I can appreciate nature and I can step out of a car and go, yep, this is pretty sweet. Smell that pot. It was (laughs) awesome. And, you know, I like like looking at waterfalls and things of that nature, but I'm just not really a, a wilderness sort you know, I don't go camping. I, I need a shower like 10 minutes after I wake up, and that's really <laughs> hard to do out in, in the wild. So uh, I would not do well as as Ricky Baker. And uh, 
I mean, they're out there for weeks. Yeah, months. I, five, after five, five months. After five minutes. I was like, let's go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, and we talked about like L.A. being a major setting in films, and it's really hard to see any movie and not realize that Los Angeles is a character in the film. And I think about that for for movies like this that are based in in the woods or I mean, New Zealand is an absolutely beautiful country. Um, I was so fortunate to visit in 2020 and I was. Yeah, it, it's everything like it is like he's saying this reminds me of Lord of the Rings. I mean, I, I was in nerd fandom when I was there. And so. I think it's it's beautiful that that they focus on this kind of stuff uh, and it really becomes this second character that, to them, you know, so Hector breaks his ankle on a rock. Uh, there's there's wild boars they have to watch out for. The huts are a source of food and supplies for them uh, to save that ranger, that diabetic ranger. They have to he has to trek about two miles down the down the road to, to get help. So it definitely comes into play as a character. It's not just a generic city. So I think that that really enhanced the film for me because obviously it drove the plot. Works for me. Yeah. But I mean, I would definitely love to get lost out there. I would love to go on. I can't remember what they call them. They don't call them treks. They call them somethings. But uh, walkabouts. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's traveling. They, they call they call them. Yeah, they call them. Uh, I can't remember. But anyways, it's like multi day backpacking. And that would be really, really fun. I wouldn't want to go for five months, but I would I mean, I would probably travel around for like a month. That'd be awesome. So Ugh, hate it. Well, I mean, you stop at places you go from towns to and, and you can shower and all that kind of stuff. But you know, like Kane on Kung Fu, walk from town to town. Yeah, there you go. Seeking new adventures. <laughs> David Carradine? Carradine, yeah. Carradine? There you go. Sweet Carradine. Ba, ba, ba. quite right. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. but uh, So Taika is definitely a stylistic director. Talked about that earlier. He uses an interesting visual style to enhance his stories for a pleasing and entertaining movie watching experience. His editing, his camera use, his scene blocking, and his music choices are just a sample, just a sample of what he can do. Very similar to, like you alluded to earlier, Edgar Wright or Wes Anderson. Um, I didn't finish this question. <laughs> That's weird. So uh, what we were discussing, you know, we both think this movie is hilarious. And we could probably understand why people don't find it funny. And they're probably the same people that don't find Edgar Wright and Wes Anderson films funny. Would you agree with that? Or maybe you want to kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I think that that's fair. I, I, I think it goes back to just... I mean, it's so subjective, right? It's art, right? So at the end of the day, it's it's going to land on some people and not for others. But when you look at a score like this on something that that accumulates reviews like Rotten Tomatoes and you have a 97% uh, score, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, there are going to be those people out there just like, yeah, I don't get it. Or it's not my cup of tea. You know, what's this kid doing? He's a complainer, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I think I think it helps to be someone that loves movies. I, I think that if you're, I mean, we have friends that just don't watch movies and this is not going to work for them. And so uh, I do think that there's just one of those, this is one of those movies and he's one of those directors where you just have to pay attention. You know, it's, it's not overly complicated. It's just, it's so simplistic in a way that is beautiful and it's funny. And it's one of those things where you just appreciate the little things. And he is amazing at having you appreciate the little things. Well, and, and his, you know, like as he progressed to, so Thor Ragnarok was probably his his biggest movie to date that, well, besides Jojo Rabbit, but Thor Ragnarok's really kind of what put him on the US map in terms of them being, people being like, 
holy shit, Taika is amazing. You know, the general moviegoer because Thor Ragnarok was an incredible Mar- Marvel film. It, they completely shifted the paradigm that Thor had before. And it's like, who would have thought Thor was hilarious? Right. So, I mean, I was laughing my ass off during that movie. You know, yeah, Rachel House is in that, too. She's uh, she's um, Jeff Goldblum's like general lady. <laughs> uh, oh, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love when they go into his his ship and they hit that button and it's like it's my birthday. It's, it's my birthday. <laughs> and they're like, don't touch anything. <laughs> so <laughs> fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I I think that movie is so hilarious. I can rewatch it, you know, multiple times. But he definitely has a certain style. And and with Edgar Wright, like we both love Hot Fuzz. I think we both think Hot Fuzz is one of uh, the funniest movies we've probably seen. I cry laugh every time I watch it. We quote it all the goddamn time. But it's one of those movies that is kind of not for everybody. Um, British humor is slightly odd, but I don't even think that Hot Fuzz is necessarily British humor. It's just Edgar Wright is so good at at how he he, he uses nonverbal communication to, to, to tell jokes. And I mean, uh, you know, the Andes and everything like that. And just every, every fucking thing they do. <laughs> when he comes back to look at the camera one <laughs> yeah. time, I swear to God, I fucking laugh so hard. You're off oh. the chain. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's, yeah. I literally might watch that tonight. It is, it is so funny. Oh, but I definitely had those vibes of like an Edgar Wright or a Wes Anderson film, especially when they do uh, the, I guess you'd call them jump cuts for the Ricky Baker thing when she's like, you know, Stealing stuff, loiter, loitering stuff, graffitiing stuff, and it shows him in town doing everything. That definitely, yeah. re- definitely reminded me of like an Edgar Wright a or real Wes Anderson. Bad egg. Yeah, <laughs> talking yeah. disobedience, stealing, spitting, running away, throwing rocks, kicking stuff, defacing stuff, burning stuff, loitering, graffiti. Oh my god, <laughs> so fucking funny. Yeah, no uh, child left no, behind. No child left behind. Not the official motto, but my motto. <laughs> so fucking good so oh and then then she's like you have the right to remain silent anything you do he's like he's like we don't really say that that's what americans say and you're not even a police officer she's like a real cop he's like oh i'm right here yeah he's like what with the gun i liked andy a lot too he was really funny but uh so i think it's you know it is hard because i I do want i would i would recommend this movie to everybody but I, i wouldn't be surprised if some people would be like i didn't get it and, right. and I, you know, if I showed them Hot Fuzz and Royal Tenenbaums, they'd probably say the same thing. They'd be like, oh, it was kind of funny, but I don't know. Yeah. And, and I, that's the thing, too, because like with these movies, there's really nothing to get. It's it's about at the end of the at the end of the movie, it's really a, about a relationship and, you know, family and connecting with another human and loss and love and all these things that everyone is quite familiar with. And if they don't pick up on that, then they probably just weren't paying attention. It's at that its core. It's pretty goddamn simple. Yeah. Family values. Family is important. You know, love and loss. You know, you you. This is all you have. I mean, you might have things, but your family is really all that you have. So make the most out of it. Absolutely. And I think part of the reason too was because you know this is an, an international film, and so I think there's something to be said about international films that. Uh, the average moviegoer doesn't watch a ton of them and it's a different type of comedy. Sometimes uh, you, you kind of have to be, you have to, you're right. You have to be a film fan like, like we are to, to really kind of enjoy these. And I, my hope one day, and I'll lead this to the next question is 
I think that international films are really important. And my hope one day would be that they become mainstream and people can go to Netflix and turn on a South Korean film or a film from Indonesia or, you know, a film from from Russia or something like that and be like, this movie's awesome and it's hilarious. And I don't care if I have to read subtitles. So I'm going to ask you, how important do you think international film is? And are there any that you've seen that you wish more people would watch? Uh, Yeah, so I, I do think that they are important as well. I got my start pretty early, uh, mainly because my father was a film buff. You know, like he he loves movies, too. Um, he doesn't necessarily know uh, anything technical about him, but he knows what a good movie is to him. And he'll, you know, die on that horse. He'll be like, yeah, <laughs> fucking whatever. Lethal Weapon 2 is so badass. And, you know, it is it's badass. been revoked. And then, <laughs> you know. Dip- diplomatic immunity. Yeah, I mean, my dad's top films are probably fucking Highlander and... <laughs> you know, I don't know, Guns of Navarone, maybe, I don't know, this weird shit. So, like, <laughs> he's, he's he has uh, eclectic tastes. And Guardians of the Galaxy, like, he has a little bit of everything. He loves stuff. Um, so, he was always like, oh, Justin, you gotta check this out. Or, oh, let's watch this. And, you know, that started pretty early for me. He was a pretty big Clint Eastwood fan, so right away, we're watching stuff by um, Sergio Leone, right? So, I would consider, or I would actually accept rather, you know, a fistful of dollars for a few dollars more and the good, the bad, and the ugly. Those are foreign films. You know, that's that they were shot in Spain. It's uh, pretty much, you know, Italy and the USA coming together to make this movie. And it was, they were done differently. You know, they was, yeah, they had an American superstar starring in them, but uh, they were definitely shot differently. And, and it was weird because Westerns are usually Mr. Fancy Pants cowboys. And all of a sudden <laughs> you're walking down the street and there's just like, you know, there's like horse shit in the road. And you're like, wait a minute, this is a film set. We can't have that. And so it was just a new way of doing things. And I was a kid when I had to watch those. And same with uh, Seven Samurai. I was very young when I saw that. Uh, Kira Kurosawa, another important filmmaker. And um, I think going into college, I was I had to watch like uh, a lot of Asian cinema. So like Takashi Kitano, Sonatine was one of like my first like super Asian films that I watched. Apart from like the Chow Fat action films where, you know, like The Killer or uh, Hard Boiled. Another day yeah. or uh, what was the other one? There's something about to, like a Poli- no, no, that was Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan was in Police Story. Uh, he was in the, the not The Killer yeah, he was, was in the yeah he was in the killer yeah, yeah, yeah he was yeah. in the killer he was in hard boiled and like uh better off tomorrow or something like yeah that. something like that um either way just hardcore violent japanese and chinese movies like hong kong cinema and all stuff like that um but takashi kitano yeah he did some really cool shit that i had to watch in college and sonatine was pretty badass love that movie battle royale same thing yeah um you know some some pretty gnarly movies and and it was fun to see all that stuff. But then even going down further, there was like um, like Pedro uh, Almodovar, who did like, uh, what was that one? Uh, Matador with Antonio Banderas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty hardcore. Uh, so it's kind of neat to see all these different uh, films from other countries. Um, and so for me, it was always really fun. Be- part of it was I didn't know who these people were. It's really hard to when you see just a, f- a fucking Tom Hanks movie, you know, it's Tom Hanks. Yeah. He's a great actor, but at the end of the day, he's fucking Tom Hanks. And so when you're <laughs> watching foreign films, a lot of times the talent on screen is people that you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's pretty easy to get invested in a story when you know that who they're not married to in real life or who their kid is, or that episode of family ties where they were the drunk brother that came to visit and stuff like that. So 
it makes a difference, at least for me when I'm connecting with characters. Run Lola Run, that was another mm-hmm. one where I was uh, I was in college and I saw this movie. I was like, what the fuck am I watching, dude? This movie's nuts. <laughs> and uh, I showed Run Lola Run to anybody that would watch it. I was like, oh my God, you got to see this movie. Like, what's a Lola and why is she running? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you gotta watch. It's great. And so that's that kind of stuff was really fun. I mean, sure, there's gonna be bad ones too, but I mean, that's just like whatever. I you know, it might be their equivalent to their Airbud six or whatever, but I mean every country has one, so you just might get the the bad luck on that. But I do think that family or that uh, international films are very important, uh, especially now they're you know, you you watch these the Academy Awards. If you're into the Academy Awards and you're seeing films like Parasite win and you're like, what the fuck? That's kind of weird. I didn't know that 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 the Academy is finally looking at these things. And and it took fucking 80 goddamn years for it to happen. But <laughs> now we're watching films from other countries and that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sad that it's taken this long, but there are some incredible filmmakers out there. And if you just take the chance to and watch a couple, you might learn <clears> something. Uh, yeah, and, and like we talked, we've talked about this ad nauseum as well too. International horror is so much better because, in, in my opinion, just because they don't have regulations necessarily like we do. And uh, I, I bet our buddy Steve knows about his house, which is this insane Who's house. <laughs> yes. Runs house. There you go. His it's this insane horror film. I think it's it's not South Africa. I can't remember where it's from, but uh, I've only seen parts of it, and it's fucking trippy it is super trippy uh south sudan that's where it's from and then uh burning so steven yuen is 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 blowing up right now which is really really cool so it's nice to see that this academy awards is having a lot of uh international hope i guess you could say like minari is a contender so that's really great um you know it man with donnie yen donnie yen he legend in in in, uh chinese cinema and he 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 really blew up here too and it's great to see except it took like you know him in his later life i should say but lots of good shit too man i mean yeah pan's labyrinth i'm, I'm looking right now on, on movies that are streaming on on netflix there's a ton yeah, of them i love pan's labyrinth i think that movie's so good i, I mean really speaking like of it. speaking of filmmakers and going back to their early work you know gilmo del toro is a great example of that mm-hmm. um he's a super nerd bomber that just loves geeky culture and, <laughs> yeah and he just just eats up every second that he has a film and it's so cool to know that whatever movie he's making he is so glad that he's making it and you can see that in his work i think yeah portrait portrait of a lady on fire shoplifters uh oh gosh uh a brighter summer day um there's a so many good ones as i'm just looking at these two now the handmaiden's supposed to be really good i did not see that one that's from south korea burning again south korea and that one is supposed to be excellent um yeah lots of options but um i i would just hope that people you know instead of putting on another adam sandler movie for the 20th time maybe like take a chance on something you haven't seen before and it's 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 really fun one of my most favorite action movies of all time is the raid redemption Mm -hmm. and holy shit that's an indonesian film and you obviously know that but if anybody listening that's a you know indonesian film and if you have not seen it if you like john wick if you like 
ridiculous fight scenes, you need to watch the Raid Redemption and then watch the sequel because they are fantastic. And it's some of the and best. Two very different movies. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Completely different. You know, the Raid Redemptions is, is Dread kind of uses that same example of a, of a prison. I mean, yeah. they, they both like do a shot it. for shot remake. <laughs> but, you know, they both do it so goddamn well. And yeah. so and I'm OK with it. But, yeah, the Raid 2 is like bananas. It is. It's hard, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. I don't want to. Yeah, it's hard to explain it. But anyhow, uh, very good work on that end. So I, I really implore everyone to watch international film because you can learn so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shudder, yeah, that has a ton of good ones, too. I think so. Japanese horror films are pretty cool. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, I had yeah. to watch a lot in college. Um, Pulse was one I had to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suicide Club was one I had to watch. Uh, Audition. This is some pretty dark water. Holy shit. Dark water was nuts. And I was when I was watching that in the library at school, the goddamn lights kept flickering. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the worst. <laughs> this building fucking sucks so bad. Yeah. I hated that library. Oh, and there man. was like motion sensor lights all over the place. So like if you were if it was dark, all of a sudden the light would come on. But, you know, there's no goddamn human being over there. But it just decided to come on anyway. Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, my God, hurry up and be over already. <laughs> I love how just like a real world environment has an impact on what you're watching. Yep. I think that's nuts. Like watching a movie alone in a library at fucking nine o'clock at night at a college is 10,000 times scarier than watching it either in the movie theater or in the privacy of your own home. Yeah. You're just like, fuck, someone's going to get me. Someone's going to murder me. This fucking sucks. Or <laughs> get me over. Well, Dark Waters on Amazon Prime if you want to relive it. So the, uh, the actual original film? Yeah. 2002. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I have not seen it. I've only I know about it, but I have not seen it. And uh, I love horror films, but I do have to be in a mood because I'm like, uh, I shouldn't be eating lasagna as I'm watching this movie. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> They'll get the chicken sandwich vibe all over again. <laughs> yeah, gross. Holy shit. Yeah, can't yeah. do it. I, I, if I'm watching a horror movie, I will not eat a goddamn thing. I, sometimes I'll have candy, but I will not be eating a meal of any kind. Yeah. You know, just I, not in the cards, man. Absolutely. Because you never know when that horrible moment is going to happen either two seconds into the movie, it can happen 30 goddamn minutes in the movie, but when it does, and if you have a mouthful of something, you're never going to want to eat that shit again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, and I talked about it on a couple podcasts ago, but one, one Cut of the Dead is a Japanese horror film, but it's like something you, you wouldn't expect, and it's so well done, and I absolutely love that. Uh, it's on Shudder. I think Shudder has the rights to it, but... Holy shit, that's a great one. But mm-hmm. yeah, New Zealand cinema is great, man. Uh, you know, Hunt for the Willard People, What We Do in the Shadows, The Piano. That won like an Oscar, I think. Yeah, it won yeah. some Oscars. Uh, Whale Rider was in there. Eagle versus Shark. Uh, what else? I'm trying to look right now to see anything else that I have no of or seen. Um, not really. But, uh, you know, I'm glad. Oh, well, duh. Obviously, Lord of the Rings. I mean, that is probably the most famous one. But I was trying to go around that. So anyhow. But uh, yeah, man, that's all I got, really. Uh, what's your letter grade for um, Hunt for the Wilder People? Oh, I'd give it an A, 100%. Awesome. Yeah, me too. I absolutely love it. I think it's just a wholesome film. Uh, you don't, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, I don't I don't want to see animals getting killed. They did it in a, in, a, in a tasteful way, so take that for what it's worth. But, and I don't like, you know, that when Zag died, I don't like seeing dogs die. But at the same time, it's sometimes you have to suffer loss in these kind of films. And so that was that was a hard one to watch, too. But um, otherwise, I absolutely love this movie. It was very lighthearted. It was funny. Uh, I picked up on things the second time viewing it more so than I did the first. But yeah, 
I will forever know the Fanta door and the Burger Ring door. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holy shit, that's so funny. You know, I watched it with subtitles on. I should add add that. So did I. So did I. I, I started the movie, but they're they're kind of they talk kind of quietly, and it was the conversation between um, uh, Rachel House. What's her name again? The social service worker. Oh, Paula. Paula. Yeah. So it was, she was talking. I'm like. I know what she's saying. So I turned subtitles on really fast. <laughs> and Skuck's life. Yeah. Yeah. What's a Skuck's? Yeah. It's just some of the slang that they have in New Zealand, you know, like sweet ass and, and Skuck's and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's just like Kiwi slang. And then there's, um, you know, it was cool too. Like they have, they have Maori uh, actors in it, which is great because Taika's Maori. And so really, really awesome to see that kind of stuff. But uh, love it, man. New Zealand's an amazing country and I and I love what they're putting out. Love Taika Waititi. I think he is one of the funniest people in the world and he's an awesome director. So I'm, I just, I cannot wait to watch more of his stuff. So this is also an A for me, Justin. All right. But that's it. Uh, anything else you want to add? I don't think so. Uh, muchos fantásticos. All right, now's our section where we talk about Kong versus Godzilla. Can't. I'm done. It's a good movie. You should go see it. (laughs) Oh, geez. Yeah, but anyhow. So uh, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we will discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. They are doing Star Wars, I'm sorry, Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm dumb. As well as the Pixelated podcast with Stephen K. James. Can't wait to talk about uh, my favorite game, MLB The Show 21, free on Game Pass on 420. I am very, very excited about that. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much.